Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Aquademia Podcast. I'm Sean O'Loughlin and this episode and the next episode are going to be a little bit different than you're used to because we actually are coming straight out of Cena 2022 in Boston and we got some recordings while we're there and what you're going to hear is kind of a few snippets of some of the interviews that we did while we were right on the floor at Cena. Now, before we get into it, I want to remind everybody to please subscribe to Aquademia wherever you listen so you can get every new episode directly downloaded onto your device as soon as it's available. If you want to get in contact with us, please check out the contact form at globalseafood.org slash podcast or find us on Twitter. We are at AquademiaPod. And also, please remember to take a minute and leave us a rating and review wherever you listen because that really helps us kind of spread the word and get the show out to more listeners. So enjoy this little uh, piece of Cena 2022. If you were there and you got to talk Talk to us. I'm so glad that we were able to catch up. If you were there and you missed us, make sure you reach out to us and uh, you know tell us how the show went for you. So again, we'll talk to you a little bit later, but uh, enjoy these few conversations that we had, and we'll talk to you at the end. Welcome to the Aquademia Podcast. Our diet is hurting the environment in myriad ways. I mean, we desperately need to eat more seafood. This is a pioneering industry with a whole lot of people who have really good ideas and a lot of experience and are unafraid. Aquademia is your go-to podcast for a fresh take on all things seafood. Who's talking to me already? It's 10 o'clock in the morning. Hey everybody, here we are, we're back. At Cena 2022. Kind of hard to believe. Yeah, for real. Part of me feels like we were actually just here, but it's really crazy because it's actually been three years. I have a hard time hearing you over all the filleting machines behind <laughs> me. <laughs> we are kind of in the thick of the processing area, aren't we? Yeah. Um, it, it is. Yeah, it's weird. Like, it, there's a strange familiarity when you walk in, and it just feels like we've done this so many times, and we've been exactly. Like, but it, it, it's weird to think that we haven't been here in like almost three years. And like you said in the last episode, where the little short episode where we said that we were coming back, the last time we were here is when we released this beast into the wild. And we, For we, the first time. we premiered the podcast at the Seafood Show in two, 2019. And, and so, we had a little launch event. It was great. Yeah, we had a lot more bulky equipment here. We were recording on the floor just like we are <laughs> yep. now. Uh, which that's why it's so noisy in here if you guys are hearing all kinds of background noise because we're actually on the floor at our booth which is number 481 it's uh, the ambiance to make you feel like you're really here yeah you know we could be doing this just in a studio somewhere and just adding background noises and <laughs> no one would know we wouldn't do that to you guys <laughs> yeah but we just wanted to give a quick shout out like a, a, a quick check-in since the floor just opened it's it's Sunday, the 13th at 10 a.m. 10.19. Uh, we needed 20 minutes to set up. But yeah, everyone is still kind of coming in. There's People are finishing setting up their booth, and no one is doing some any hardcore business yet, but I'm sure that'll happen soon. Well, you can't do business until 10 o'clock, right? So there's almost like that. Once it hit 10, all of a sudden, everyone turns the on switch on their, uh, their equipment. Everyone puts their ties on, and you know, <laughs> it's actually a buzzer that goes off. It says, start businessing now. Yeah, it's and like at Wall Street, right? And Wall Street, What time bell. does the, the show close? Five? Five. Six, yeah, five o'clock, they, they sound an alarm, and everyone has to stop businessing, and <laughs> that's when the cocktail hours <laughs> yeah, start, yeah. right? Don't be caught businessing after <laughs> five o'clock. Anyway, well, we're, we're also here with our friend Vicky, who's also part of the outreach team. Hi, Vicky. Hi. She, she just it's wanted, her debut on the podcast. Yeah, she yes. wanted to come join us. Vicky, what do you think about the show? 
Uh, so cool. Is this your first time coming here? No. So I went. It's funny because I do keep saying like last year I was here right. last year, but no, that was my first time, a lot three years ago now, and I was a newbie at GAA at the time, so it was very overwhelming, <laughs> very yeah. overwhelming, very different from now. Yes, now I'm like seasoned vet, <laughs> feeling good, but it doesn't yeah. take long to get that that seasoned veteran feel. Yeah, I mean when I. So my first show, you know, everyone's telling me how how big they're like, oh, Justin, you need to wear comfortable shoes because to walk from one end mm-hmm. of the show floor to the other is going to take you half a day. And there's all, you know, they're you're not gonna, wrong. When they yeah, say that. It's true. It is a very large In show floor. I'm pretty most sure of that I heard that you can fit six football fields into this room that we are in. You know what's hilarious? How Americans measure things by football fields. <laughs> and that means nothing to non-American like listeners because we like mean American people football. People from countries who don't have, they, where they don't play American football probably have no sense of how big a football field is. I think it's probably comparable to a soccer field. Maybe it's a little bit bigger. No, it's the same, I think. Is it? I, I base it off how far Tom Brady, Tom, if you're listening, which I know you are, <laughs> He could throw a football over the them their convention mountains. center. <laughs> he still got it buildings. over the whole thing. Yeah. So if you want to put this in perspective, Tom Brady could easily throw a football the length of the show floor. So Tom, <laughs> if you're here, um, stop by our booth. Regardless, 481. It's a big room. <laughs> you continue. I'm sorry, we we cut you off. Yeah, oh, yeah. I forgot. I was going. I did have a story. So. Going back to being like a seasoned veteran, right? So speaking of Tom Brady, yeah, and Tom, uh, today or yesterday when I came to the show, I just, you know, had my eyes closed, walked right in, got onto the escalator, didn't even really have to. You just, you didn't. I didn't even soak in like the sights and the sounds. I just down the escalator, took a right, took a left, boom, I was right at the booth where it, where our booth always is, and it's just, you know, now that we've started day one of the show today. Um, I'm seeing familiar faces, and even though it's been a long break since we've actually done this, since 2019, my sense is that everyone's excited to be here, Mm -hmm. seeing familiar faces, and it's, I guess, business as as usual, which is a a good feel. It's business as usual, but I think people are um, excited to maybe bump into some other people in person rather than a Zoom call um, for the first time in a while, so... So yeah, I nice feel like feel. you can definitely feel a buzz in the air of people being excited to finally be back in person. And I'm I'm really surprised at how many exhibitors there are. I was thinking for some reason yeah, that there would be a lot yeah. less. I thought it was going to be a little sparse, too. Yeah, but it is. I feel like it's just as big as it oh, usually is. People are is. just excited to get back and, yeah. you know, do some of this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, you know, everyone's been watching it so closely up until the last minute of, like, what is going to be the mask mandate? Are there going to be vaccine requirements? Yeah. And I was like, no, you know, there was a lot of uncertainties. And now that we're here on the floor, it feels like, all right, now we can like focus on what we need to do while we're here instead of worrying about all that prep stuff. And I was saying two things like that. And I was saying this to Vicky and Maddie earlier. A, I wasn't ready for how cold it was going to be. Mm. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, walking from the hotel to the, to the convention that center. That wind. Uh, I was not prepared for that. So, not that you're going to... If you came to the show, I'm sure you can you can sympathize with that. Um, but then, two is, I think I'm going to be super-duper awkward when I'm here interacting with people. <laughs> because I haven't done anything social where it's not, like, with the people that I talk to on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And I know we're going to bump into people that we used to talk to all the time. We used to see at all these events in the, a few years ago. But, it, like, I haven't done anything like this in multiple years. I'm 
probably going to lose my voice halfway through today <laughs> and I'm not going to know how to end conversations or like what, you know, how to have conversations without rambling. I'm just, I'm going to be out of my element. So it's going to be interesting. I'm sure a lot of people are going to kind of have to re, you know, rewind their, uh, social battery, their social battery. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And see, you know, get that, uh, get those skills back. It's going to be interesting. So. so this is just our first update from the floor. Like I said, nothing's really happening yet, but, um, we are here. We are ready to do some businessing because it's after 10 o'clock. <laughs> the alarm went off. Yep. And uh, we're going to get some, some guests on, maybe some people that have been on the show before, maybe, hopefully some new people. We're going to get some recordings here from the booth and maybe from the floor. Uh, so get excited to hear more updates. We're going to do this episode and then probably a second episode, like a two-part episode with live from Cena. So, Vicky, and thank you for joining us, by the way. Thank you for having me. And if you're wanting to get a visual of what it's looking like here, then you should definitely check out the Global Seafood Alliance and Aquademia Pod Twitter. Um, we have two Twitter accounts. One is at GSA underscore seafood, and then the other one's at Aquademia Pod. We're posting pictures, we're posting tweets, and then also we're posting on our Instagram stories, which will be saved to a highlight, Cena22 at Seafood Alliance. If you want to get a feel for what it's looking like here. Yeah, we, you'll be looking at these after the fact, but we are going to be posting pictures, so they'll be there so you can go they'll see. They'll be there. You know, go, take a little step back in time from like, a, you know, a week and uh, <laughs> <laughs> see what it was like. Vicky, do you have anything else that you want to say before we sign off? Uh, I promised her she wouldn't talk and then I made her talk. Yeah, no, I am all set, but thank you. <laughs> Justin, anything? Nope. Right. I don't have anything else to add. Well, we'll be back. We'll talk to you later then. Hey, everyone. Me again. I hope that this conversation is kind of giving you a feel for what the seafood show is like here in Boston, if you haven't been before, or maybe if you were there, you know, bringing you right back down memory lane from, you know, a week ago. I just want to let you know that a lot of the conversations that we're having in this episode, as well as next week's episode, we are planning on recording full-length episodes with these guests so they can get more into detail about uh, their products or their new organizations or their these innovations that we talk to them about. So if any of these conversations that you're about to hear uh, are interesting to you or something that you think you want to learn more about, uh, have no fear because it, we will likely have a full-length conversation about it of about an hour or so in the near future. So don't worry about that. Again, Enjoy these conversations that we had with people at the show, and we'll talk to you later. We had someone come by the booth, Nick Sullivan, who is a author, has a book coming out uh, called The Blue Revolution, coming out in April 2022. How's it going? Uh, good. Yeah, right up in there. Just, yeah. There you go. Well, we've had some supply chain issues. It's was delayed a couple of months, but hopefully it's coming out in April. That's the plan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's I the didn't plan. give him a lot of prep. I literally said, come sit down. Give him a mic and we're yeah. gonna start recording. So, <laughs> so we make sure we didn't miss anything. Yeah. Um, but really quick, how's the show going for you so far? It's well, day one. You know, I just got here about an hour ago. So, so far it's been very good. No oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so anyway, so the book. You want to know about the book? Yeah. Tell yeah. us about the book. <laughs> Our listeners want to hear about the, the book. book. Uh, it's called Blue Revolution: Hunting, Harvesting, and Farming Seafood in the Information Age, and it's about the uh, transformation of commercial fishing in the 21st century. And um, I started out writing um, with the, trying to answer the question, where are the fish gonna come from to feed the world? Because you know, we hear these dire stories about 
overfishing and environmental degradation and all these things and the world population is growing and yep. more people are eating more fish and getting more protein out of fish. So I started out to answer that question. and um, But then it became clear to me as I was researching it that there, ha there are a lot of widespread negative perceptions about wild capture, fishing, and aquaculture as well. Yep. And I think both we know of them, all about that. <laughs> I'm sure. And I think you know both of them kind of date to the 90s when the overfishing and the cod crisis was peaking and um, the Norwegian salmon crisis issues were arising and the, all the lawsuits. So I'm trying to write a different narrative, re rewrite the narrative, because I think so much has changed in the 21st century over the last, particularly over the last decade. And uh, so that that's kind of the the general direction. It's half wild capture, half aquaculture with a few global challenges like, you know, Ill illegal fishing, climate change, and um, conservation and marine protected areas, that kind of stuff. That's so awesome. can I ask you, if we back up, what piqued your interest to get into this space? Well, I... Um, I'm a writer. I've, this is my fourth book. The other ones have nothing to do with fishing. Okay. Uh, they're more kind of development economics and um, you know the spread of mobile te telephony in South Asia and Sub-Saharan Africa, spread of mobile money in Africa. But, and I've done a lot of consulting and in international development and you know food security is a big issue in, in development, obviously. Yeah. And um, so that just kind of, and I had actually <clears throat> studied, uh, written about fishing in the 70s, around the time the Magnuson-Stevenson Act was first signed in 76. Mm -hmm. And um, when there were factory ships off the coast of uh, Cape Cod, you know, okay. kind of raiding George's Bank. And, um, but then I kind of dropped it for 50, 45 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I came back to it. <clears throat> but for me, initially, like I said, it was a food issue. Where's the food? In, because especially in the developing world, you know, 80-90% of us in some countries are dependent on fish for their their number one pro, main protein. Yeah. yeah. And, and not only that, their livelihoods, you know, the artisanal fisheries and so forth. But anyway, but this is focused on New England. I started out looking at the entire world, which was too big a topic. Oh, especially yeah. Especially during COVID. <laughs> so, Definitely. So There's New England, you know, is a great I think great case study be given its history, you know, with fishing as its main industry back in 16, 1700s, and, you know, the iconic cod and the mm -hmm. iconic uh, lobster, right whale, yeah. right and whale. lobster, yeah, yeah the, all that, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so, and now, um, you know, there's a, you know, the, the, a lot has changed, and um, I think the last decade has been a lot better for fish than it has for fishermen because there's been so many so much consolidation you know in the industry and uh, yeah with the private uh, you know quotas system the transferable yep. preferable quotas led to consolidation but it is better for the fish I think a lot of stocks that were overfish have been rebuilt in the, since 2000 like 45 stocks I think have been rebuilt yeah well, the focus on, on conservation traceability uh, sustainability, all that stuff is just every year it's more popular that conversation. Yeah. So that's just going to continue to improve in that direction, hopefully. And will become more and more mandated, hopefully. Exactly. Yes. Right, by because of it. Policy or regulation and yeah. policy and so forth. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was just talking to Legit Fish, you know, Mike Carroll, and yeah. I'm sure you know, and oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Now, yeah, the whole traceability issue, and there's like, you know, there are DNA testing products on, you know, in the pipeline. Um, uh, yeah, so that's, uh, that's a big thing. And, you know, the other thing that I really kind of was not really totally aware of when I started this, but is very interesting and shifting is the whole distribution system, which is, you know, the U.S. imports most of what it eats and exports most of what it catches, and so the whole, it's a global commodity rather than a nice, fresh, local, high-quality fish, and, um, and the whole fish movement is behind the ag movement in terms of foodies and yeah. locavores, mm -hmm. and, but I think that is changing with the local catch network and things like that. So, uh, when the book comes out in April, mm. where can we find it? Where? Uh, and again, know, we know that there are still um, some, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, delays in... Uh, oh, yeah. I think, I think we're good. It should be out. Now, it you know, would be all the you know, usual bookstores, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Oh, excellent. Okay. And the publisher, Island Press, which is a great publisher. It's a nonprofit out of D.C., specializing in uh, ecological environmental issues you can buy it off their website you get a 20 percent discount there wow and, uh, that's great yeah so there's hopefully hopefully it'll be widely available <laughs> yeah. is there a way that you can pre-order it uh yes yeah you can do it on um <clears throat> excuse me amazon barnes and noble island press website you can pre-order yeah. great will this promo code that you have here will that work <clears throat> on any of those uh it will work on island press all right, so uh, I'll try to remember to put it in the show notes, but if you go to islandpress.org and then look up the Blue Revolution, you can use promo code Sullivan to save 20%. Correct, yeah. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, thank you, guys. Fantastic. Yeah, Is there anything else so that you'd much. like to get out there while, while you have the mic? Uh, um, well, let's just say that um, I'm pretty optimistic about future fishing, um, but I'm aware of the major issues that are unresolved, like yep. illegal, you know, unregulated fishing and climate change and all those things. Um, so, um, and it looked like the World Trade Organization was going to outlaw subsidies, which is driving a lot of the illegal stuff, but that's, again, been tabled for the moment, but I think it's moving in the right direction. So... I'm hoping for the best on that. You're it's optimistic. Ni it's nice to have a positive outlook in these times, isn't it? It is, yeah. <laughs> it's the way to go. Um, well, I'm excited for this because it sounds like everything that this book is all about is exactly what we are all about here on Aquademia. It's the same message, the same mission. So I really appreciate you writing it, and I appreciate you coming and finding us and sitting down and talking about it. Great. <clears throat> Thank you all. Nice to meet you. Likewise. You as Thank well. You. And okay. good luck with the rest of the show. Thank you. Remember, folks, if you want to order The Blue Revolution by Nick Sullivan, go to islandpress.org and look up the book, The Blue Revolution, and use the promo code Sullivan to get a discount on that pre-order. And that will be coming out in April, so keep your eyes out for that. And like I said previously, we are going to do a full-length episode to get more into some of the content of this book and what people can expect if they pre-order or if they read it. Moving on to our last conversation for this episode. I hope you guys enjoy it, and I'll talk to you at the end. Hello world. Hey. <laughs> Hello world. It's song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. All right. So you can tell 
when we're doing these recordings based on how low my voice is and how much it cracks. <laughs> I woke up this morning and I'm like, I'm gonna, little horse. I'm going to lose my voice completely. So um, we are sitting down with Zach Din, uh, who is the co-founder and CEO of Sea Warden. How's it going, Zach? Hey, Sean. Good morning. Did I get that right? Yes, I literally did. just read it off his name tag. So. <laughs> Perks of having name badges I know, on it's everyone. Nice. Um, and I, I, I don't need to be as nervous about getting people's names wrong. So um, so what's going on? How's the show going for you? Uh, it's going great. Uh, it's, this is my first uh, you know, seafood expo. Oh, nice. And it's, uh, it's, a th- it's a real thrill to see everyone in person. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, it's super cool. Um, talk to us about Sea Warden. What do you guys do? What's the what's the story? Yeah, yeah, thanks. So Sea Warden uses satellites, artificial intelligence, and cloud computing to monitor global aquaculture activity. And our mission is to advance the sustainability of farm seafood, starting with shrimp. Mm. So how did you get started? Where did that idea come from? <laughs> uh, so I was, a, I was a master's student at UC Berkeley mm-hmm. uh, studying remote sensing. And I met my uh, business partner, uh, Shelby Oliver, who works as a seafood auditor, Mm -hmm. um, has a lot of experience in like the marine space. And during COVID, it just made a lot of sense when everything was being shut down that uh, new novel technologies like uh, like satellites could be used to support support auditing. And from there, we started thinking about all of these other new ideas for uh, business intelligence and other um, analytics based off of satellite data. Wow. Yeah. No, I, no, no, go ahead. No, I just have a lot of questions that I know we're going to try to... Well, like, yeah, get, get them out. We're, we're going to do a full episode with okay. you. Okay. Yeah. So for our listeners, you know, you're getting little snippets of like kind of quick hit episode, uh, quick hit interviews we're doing, but um, we want to bring Zach back on to do a full episode uh, for seafood technology innovation. So um, we're going to get more into the weeds, but Justin, ask some of your fire questions. Away. No, yeah, I don't yeah, know. I mean, away. we'll get in the weeds because... Uh, Zach and I were talking yesterday and I was kind of going through the types of episodes that we do, right? So what are the most popular types of episodes? Our career pathways, my favorite, which are seafood innovations or just innovations in general. And that's why I want to do a full episode to learn more about this technology, how it's being used and what is going to be in the on the horizon or the future, right? So this started 2020, 2019. Oh uh, yeah, 2020 uh, started pretty much when COVID started, and yeah, uh, yeah I think um, I guess I'll say that uh, it's really nice to be you know speaking with with GSA today because um, we recently completed a pilot with Thai Union mm-hmm. uh, where we um, experimented with using satellite data to generate traceability information as well as um, like business intelligence data, uh, and this was all because of the support of of GSA. Uh, they were the ones who said, you know what, this idea sounds really cool. How about we test it out with industry? Thai Union sounds great. We know them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Have at it. So it's nice to be here to report back. And uh, yeah, Thai Union had a big press release about it a couple weeks ago. And yeah, we're excited to see like how, like where it goes from here. So once these satellites get this specific data, is that then distributed through like a you you look at those analytics and data just on like a laptop or iPad or something like that to be like can you go into just a little bit more detail on on what sort of data you would collect and how it um, or, or I don't know I don't want to get too far into the weeds right because now I want to ask you all about Thai Union and all that <laughs> stuff but I think that should be more for the full episode but yeah, maybe I, go into like the cliff note version 
Yeah, <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah, I think, um, you know, for one, like, you know, when people think about satellite data, um, you know, satellites have been flying around the Earth for 50, 60 years. Mm -hmm. um, open source imagery, like the longest mission has been running by NASA since the 1970s. So I like to explain to people that satellite data is not actually anything new. Um, we know what the weather is going to be tomorrow because, you know, NOAA has satellites flying around. So it's more about bringing this type of technology, transitioning it over from, uh, you know, from like the weather, the climate space over to like agriculture and now finally to aquaculture. And so the general idea is that we have a mix of both open source and commercial imagery. And what we do is we use what we call uh, resolution appropriate imagery where we can see exactly what we need to see and pretty much nothing else. So hmm. um, we, what we're looking for, especially in shrimp, is uh, when the ponds are uh, filling and emptying mm -hmm. and based off of their the, the rate at which they're full and when they're stocked, um, we can come up with a lot of understanding of the production capacity of the farm and its efficiency. And all this data is very conveniently collected in a manner where um, producers right now are already like really overburdened. There's a lot of work they have to do. Yep. Um, and con collecting extra data for uh, traceability purposes, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's more work that they would love to do, but uh, so we've created a way where essentially they just tell us where the farm is and we can collect up to 12 months of history on that farm That's and amazing. transmit it to wherever they need. Like, like going, you can collect 12 months after they decide, like you can go backwards 12 months. Exactly. Wow. wow. Yeah, cool. so instead of, um, you know, someone saying, hey, I want to start my traceability program now and go forward and having to prove, you know, myself over several months or years, you can say like, hey, I've already been doing great. Can you just look at my performance for the past like 12 months or even three years back. Wow. That's yeah. interesting. So this is so interesting to me because I think that it's something that a lot of producers would love to have, but it's the kind of thing that they don't have the bandwidth for because it's not quote unquote a necessity like some of their other like taking care of the fish and making mm -hmm. sure or the shrimp and making sure that everything's running smoothly. Mm -hmm. So having an external entity come in and help seems like the perfect way to do it because people don't have the time to do it on their own, especially when it's such a specialized thing where you have all of the expertise that needs to happen in order to actually get the data that is useful for traceability because it can be so complicated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's 100% that's correct. And I think there's a lot of other benefits around this concept where um, you know, if you're a company that, that is trying to operate or source from hundreds or thousands of farm locations, mm -hmm. uh, when you ask for data, even just for operational purposes, the data is going to come into you in like a variety of different formats and languages. Uh, and what we're doing is it's independent and it's all, the data is coming back to you in a standardized format. So it's much easier to, to conduct even just regular day-to-day -day, uh, operations. Um, and then just moving forward, like, you know, when, when audits are being conducted, let's say for, for, for BAP or, or ASC or otherwise, a lot of that data is already pre-processed in a way that even the auditors are going to start looking at and say like, wow, I'm saving hours of work. Yeah, uh, I was going to say that's going to save a lot of time for the yeah. facilities too. Exactly. Gathering all that data and trying to like make something presentable for the auditor. Right. And, they can just yeah. and it all comes it. back to where, how has the pandemic affected, um, auditing in, in, in general, right? So if there's yeah. travel restrictions and it's it's how do we use technology to our advance advantage so that we can still meet benchmark 
benchmarked audits, mm -hmm. but do it in a way that's more convenient if there's if you can't have someone physically there for, for parts of it. So, right. it, it, I mean, this fits the bill for a lot of things. So that's yeah. it's great to hear. Um, these and again, we'll go into further detail when we do our full episode. Yeah. Um, but it's just a, it's a great thing. Thanks. Yeah, I think that one of the easiest ways we like to explain what we're doing is uh, if anyone's ever gotten like a Carfax history report, mm -hmm. uh, it's literally like kind of that concept where it it provides you a lot of like baseline data that helps you inform your decision, gives you a little bit more peace of mind about what's going on. Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah, analogy. that's a good analogy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, so we're called Farm Facts. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here, folks. You heard it here first. We're changing the name right now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, where can Do people find royalties? more information about it? Um, yeah, um, definitely find us on uh, online at cwarden.io. That's our website. Uh, we're most active on LinkedIn, so cwarden, okay. uh, you'll find us there. Yeah. Perfect. Cool. And what is next for cwarden? Like, do you are you meeting with people here that are sparking some new ideas or projects? Yeah, so we're trying to advocate for something that is very, this has already been, um, uh, we're trying to advocate for something that has already been pioneered in many other con like sort of conservation spaces. So um, I like to ask the question, how come there isn't a global map of aquaculture at the mm -hmm. moment when, you know, Global Fishing Watch has a complete map of active, um, you know, fishing activity for the whole world. Mm -hmm. There's a global mangrove watch, there's a global forestry watch. Um, why isn't there a global map of aquaculture? Because let's think about like how many people need reliable map data um, to actually do their work correctly or to do their work better. And so what we're looking for is um, different sort of uh, philanthropic sources of, of funding or um, just different parties that are interested in work collaborating together yeah. to start creating this, this idea. Um, generally, you know, I think being like a younger person, I think even more younger people are going to start thinking like, how come you can't just Google your way through and find the solution to a problem? Right. And uh, aquaculture should be Googleable. Because you, you can with most things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, so we sh I feel like you should be able to, um, to search and say like, hey, like, can you show me all of like the best performing farms in this part of the world? Or can you show me all of the poor performing farms so I can send my, my service teams to help them out? Um, these are the sort of ideas that we have going on right now. Well, that, wow. That's super valuable for a company like Thai Union that has just like hectares and hectares of farms all over the place. So that's it's going to be super. It's going to be really cool to see kind of where it goes. So we're we're the, excited. The geography nerd in me is like geeking <laughs> out about a global aquaculture map. Like GIS was I minored in geography and in, in my bachelor's and. I did not know that. I, yeah, fun fact. Oh, I learned something and about Manny. Too. I never realized years. that. I never like even thought about how there's no real global map of aquaculture, and it makes perfect sense that there definitely should be one. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I also got a minor in geography. So. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, Zach, thanks so much for joining us, and we are gonna get you on a full episode in the next coming week so people who I'm sure this sparked a lot of interest in a lot of our listeners so um, don't worry we're going to get a lot more in the weeds about it and how <laughs> it works and what kind of data you, you can get and everything uh, And uh, but right now I would say to any of our listeners who are interested definitely go to what was it seawarden.io uh, that's right and uh, read up about it get in contact with Zach or any, anyone else there and um, we'll link to it in the show notes yeah we'll yeah. try to remember to link into it in the show notes <laughs> <laughs> thanks again yeah thanks everyone thanks thanks, Zach. thanks. 
All right, folks, that's going to do it for our first round of quick interviews from the Cena show floor. We're going to have three more conversations coming up next week. Uh, I really hope you guys enjoyed this little taste of these kind of mini episodes that we did. This past one with Sea Warden is super fascinating, and that is definitely going to be a Seafood Innovations episode in the very near future, so get really excited. We're all pretty excited to get into that technology and learn how it works and everything. So as always, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you learned something, and I hope your interest has been piqued so you can uh, look forward to learning a little bit more about the Blue Revolution and about Sea Warden. Again, next week, we're going to have some more conversations from Cena. They've been a little bit out of order, so some of the conversations are from day one, some are from day two, so you'll kind of get a, a taste of when we recorded these uh, in the next episode as well, but I hope you enjoyed them. Uh, I hope you remember to subscribe to Aquademia wherever you're listening so you can get all those new episodes directly downloaded onto your device as soon as it's available. Remember to go to globalseafood.org podcast or Find us on Twitter at AquademiaPod if you want to contact us with anything. And uh, lastly, take a minute, if you don't mind, to leave a quick rating and review for the show because that really helps us kind of move up the charts and uh, get in front of more listeners. So thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And we'll be back with more Cena content next week. (laughs) 